Hey, welcome to Standing in Faith. My name is Kat, and I'm in the studio with Jeff. Here I am. David. Hey. And John. Morning. I'm going to read three passages of Scripture without telling you the references in between. They come from Malachi, Isaiah 46, and Genesis 3. I, the Lord, do not change. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Speaking to Satan, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So, I think the big word is immutable. Mm-hmm. I actually Unchanging. had to get my de- dictionary out, and yep, I had them like, all right, God is immutable. What does that mean? Uh, means he doesn't change. Yeah. Means he doesn't change. So it's interesting to me, it's interesting that he doesn't change. You kind of read it, but there's references to this in all over the Bible, specifically Revelation, where he says, I'm the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he, he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen before you're even – we did this last week in Psalm 139, right? Mm-hmm. He knew us. Not even before we were in the moon, in the womb, but he knew us when we weren't even a thought yet. Yeah, yeah. Um. So does God ever repent? That would mean that he had something to repent or turn from. In which case, no, he can't. He's perfect, and he doesn't change. Why would God need to be repenting? Are you sure? Yes. I guess it means, like, what would it be? Does Is it that his character is unchanging, or does he change what he was going to do, whether to bring, you know, for example, the Ninevites, Jonah. He was going to do something, then he saw how they repented, they believed him, he had compassion on them. But it wasn't his character that changed, because his character is abounding in love. But he changed what he was going to do to stop all the violence and the wickedness in that city. I don't, I'm, I get your example, but if he had to change, that would mean that something happened that he wasn't prepared for. That would infer he needed another plan. And I think, to me, part of God never changing is he has plan A and only plan A, and he knows what you're going to do. He knew Jonah was going to run before Jonah ran. Mm -hmm. He knew Jonah was going to run while Jonah was being knit together in his mother's womb. Mm -hmm. None of that was a surprise to him. So I hear what you're saying, does God change? I, I don't think so. At least in my head, I can't wrap my head around... As soon as God has to change something, it seems to me like everything else starts to fall apart. So then what, this is what's the unchanging part of him? Is it his character and the things he says he'll do, or is it both? 
the things he says he'll do and his character. I mean, I definitely believe his character is unchanging. So the other question would be, are his plans or like, like the example of Jonah and the Ninevites, was that a change of his plan or was it, or was it the plan? Well, you have to know God, God knew that the Ninevites would, would change their minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God is, God's intent and purpose in the way that Jonah understood it was that God would destroy them ultimately. I think sometimes that, that we have to... We ha- the way God places things in his scriptures and his stories and all that is in such a way that we can grasp it because nobody understands the immutability of God. You don't understand that because we're ever-changing. We change our minds. We change what we do. We change all this stuff. How do you grasp that God, you know, could do that? And I think in the Jonah story, uh, and, and there's another one also where it says, and God repented. In other words, he didn't do what he in, was intending on doing to begin with. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Same with it was when Moses fell on his face and stood in the gap for the people. He wanted to wipe them all out, and because of Moses' actions, he changed his mind and didn't wipe out all the nation of Israel. Now, did God already know that Moses would do that? Sure, he did. Sure, he did. Mm-hmm. But I think in the connection, as God brings, just kind of like, and the word became flesh and lived in our midst. Um, did Jesus ever change his mind? He was both God and man. Change his mind as in, like, I'm going to uh, not do this, now I am going to do this. Like, Do you mean like that or change his mind like, uh, I don't want to go to the cross? What do you mean? Oh no, 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 no. His, and I think, and I think you hit on something. God's ultimate intention never changes. There's two types of the will of God, in Greek. There's the thelema will and the bolema will of God. One is fasten your seatbelts. This is going to happen. It doesn't matter what ha- whatever else happens. The thelema will of God, on the other hand is the one where God speaks to us, tells us to do something or whatever, and we disobey or whatever, and we change that. For example, like the Israelites going into the promised land, and it was like, you have two choices. Obey, get blessings. Disobey, get the curses. Exactly, exactly. And I think that... that, um, Say in your personal life, God creates a pathway for you to go down and you deviate the pathway what does God do well if God fixes a fix to fix you with and you fix the fix that God fixes you with he fixes another fix to fix you with yeah but that's not changing of course it is no no he's because last week we talked about being sovereign. That, that's a part of this, right? Yeah. Is that I'm back to he he knew that you were going to kind of deviate. That's not a surprise to him. No. And 
he's going to be able to use that for your good, no matter what. God uses all things. That's Romans 8.28, right? Mm -hmm. Everything, even, I think, when we make a bad or dumb or stupid decision, or a rebellious one even, I think he can use those towards obtaining the end result. Okay. I don't mean the end result ever changes. No, it doesn't, and that's important. But in between, because of his disobedient people or whatever, in the same context that Moses fell on his face before God, and if Moses had not done that, God would have wiped him out. Or, for example, the Israelites, God intended for them to go into the promised land sooner but because of their unbelief and their fear and wanting to turn back to Egypt, exactly, there was a delay. So he right. still brought his ultimate thing was bringing them into the land. Exactly, but there was a delay of forty years. And God knew that ahead of time, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but it, it it and it didn't change his ultimate intention, but it did change the way things, the unfolding of the his unfolding intention. of it. Sure. So if that's the case. Right, so so much prophecy. We, here's another one we just did in a recent episode. Right, Jesus fulfilled so much prophecy in just his birth. Mm-hmm. Well, God didn't change. The, the circumstances may have changed over the 400 years. All kinds of things must have quote unquote changed, mm-hmm. but God's plan didn't change, and the fulfillment of what He said didn't change exactly. either. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, I um, so the one story that I can think about that I remember this. I'm like, wow. I think it was Abraham when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham. I think it was Abraham said, "Well, what, what happens if there was yeah. fifty yeah. righteous people, and how about thirty and twenty and five even, right? Or ten? So or ten? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he kind of at first when I first read that, I'm thinking. Wow, you can negotiate with God. <laughs> but then I realized, no, God never changed his mind. God didn't change in any of that. Was Abraham standing in the gap? Yes. Did God Was God going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes. Mm-hmm. But not if there, was, if there was somebody in there. He made a way for them to get out before that happened. Well, I think the unfair part of that, is that God already knew how to argue with Abraham to begin with. So, see, that's not fair. It's kind of like me sitting here playing poker with you and knowing what's in your hand. That's not That's not right. <laughs> well, hold on. It's not right because... <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> you're not perfect. You're not perfect. You're not love. Yeah, you're not goodness. Yeah. You're not kindness. You're not patient all the time. Right? He is. He's what all of those mean? things. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that helps me is that uh, the immutability also comes from the fact that he's outside of time. Mm-hmm. Good. We, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're time-bounded, and we have no concept of life without time. And so I, it's a mystery. Our free will versus his knowing what's going to happen before it happens, his knowing what cards we hold. Mm -hmm. But if you just, I'm not going to say understand because I'm not sure it's possible, but if you contemplate 
that God is outside of time, then this immutability and changing his mind, etc., becomes a little easier to uh, uh, grapple with, if not grasp. Mm-hmm. So here's here's one that I was thinking about, right? And and that would be <clears throat> Jesus. There's there's some arguments that I have seen that said that Jesus changed the law. And I don't believe he did, but I've seen some arguments that have made about that. So this gets into an interesting point, right? So this is God. God's word, if God doesn't change, then God's words should not change either. Mm -hmm. They should be unchangeable too. Um, So if he says, this is the law, then that should stand. Now, he made a way through Jesus to fulfill the law. And I think it's, it's some of the arguments that I saw were coming out of Matthew 5, maybe. I want to say it was the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus was, quote unquote, changing the law. I don't feel like he changed the law. I think like what he did there was clarify the heart behind all of that yeah. and make it really obvious to us. It, this is just my feeling. So I guess I throw this question out there. Did Jesus change anything from the Old Testament? It, it, I think you, wherever people come up with that idea is stupid, but it, he didn't change anything. He fulfilled it. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. He came to fulfill the law, mm-hmm. not not to do anything other than that. Now, what's the law in his time? You you had the you had the law of God, and then you had all of these Pharisaical things that were added to mm-hmm. that made absolutely no sense half the time, and were were just choking people to death. Uh, at the same time, Jesus took the law and showed just how impossible it was to follow the law. And Which he, is the intent of the law. Exactly. Exactly. So that we, we need grace. We need a Savior. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he didn't change in, in, the, in, in a sense. He didn't. Now, people say, well, what about eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Yep. Well... Turn the he, other cheek is what Jesus said. Exactly. But he didn't change that. It, what happened was, uh, and I think this is important, is that if someone knocked your tooth out, you didn't have the right to immediately knock their tooth out based on that word. And that's what a lot of people thought. No, you had to go before a court and a judge for them to determine whether that was going to happen or not. And I think that was important. It wasn't just a free-for-all. No. It's part of no. a justice system. It's part of a justice system. And, and in essence, it's, a, it's just like today. We have a justice system. Um, an it, imperfect justice system. An imperfect justice system with um, imperfect judges, et cetera, et cetera, yep. of course. Yeah. So one of the, one of the things that I was, I was spending some time thinking, um, it, it, back to in regards to Jesus. 
it, it's kind of like it, it's I, I can draw so many parallels to today, right? So here you have these Pharisees that don't like Jesus because they they couldn't see him for the Messiah. So they kept trying to trap him with questions, legal questions. It, it was almost like they were trying to – they wanted to cancel him. Mm-hmm. Right? They wanted a reason to cancel him, so they were asking him these loaded questions about the law and yeah. about how to interpret the law. And what I find was and – I, and I stopped because it was too much for me to think about, but what an amazing – it's one amazing response after another amazing response from Jesus each time they said that. Each time they tried to trap him – or trick him, right, with a legal question, he always had. Uh, He's the one who created it. He had these amazing responses that made you go, wow, right? Because it wasn't, he never invalidated the law. Yeah. Never. He would help them understand it, mm-hmm. and he would ask them questions that they wouldn't be able to answer. He always had, he always had some way of... Honestly, never changing. And that, that comes out of what? That's Hebrew, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, yesterday, yesterday and, forever. and tomorrow. Yeah. So, John, this is, this is a good time for me to, to a little bit further introduce you. So, um, John and I... We'll be embarking on a new podcast series about the Bible. And if the Bible is true and the inherent reverent word of God, right, forever and ever, amen. So we're looking forward to that. And I thought that this would be an awesome topic to bring you in on because if, if God doesn't change, if God is immutable, his word is immutable – so then that would imply that the Bible doesn't change either. I'm super curious on your thoughts there. I think you've handed me a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does make for – it will make for an interesting podcast series because uh, questions abound about what is the Bible, where did it come from, why is it 66 books, yeah. who say, says who, what about the Apocrypha, it's, you know, what about these Da Vinci Code and all the, what are those things called, David? The, oh, the, uh, the Gnostic Gospels. The Gnostic Gospels, blah, 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 blah. So um, a, there are a lot of questions about its immutability, if, as, if you will, and, uh, and its reliability. And I look forward to uh, an engaging conversation on that point. To your question... We we trust the Bible as His inspired Word. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean? And uh, I don't have a quick answer for you, but it's uh, we we trust it. Uh, it's part of our essentials, and um, it's a reliable source of um, for life. How's that? You know, I don't have a. I have a source, but I don't know that I have access to that source that I can cite anymore 
But years ago, when we were doing Alpha together, I remember one of the episodes talking about changes to ancient manuscripts. And I think that they were talking about Homer's Iliad. And that it had gone through over a thousand changes in its span. You remember this? I don't remember that specific reference. Uh, I'll share a, a recent, if you want to have fun and look at differences in manuscripts, okay, do this. Google Martin Luther King Jr. letter to a Birmingham jail and pull up 10 or 12 copies of it and then go to YouTube and with those copies in hand, listen to him and see him give the address. There are so many differences between the printed versions and what he said that it's wow. just astounding. And this happened in our lifetime. What's my point? My point is, is that there were obviously edits made to that to the letter after he wrote it for this reason or that. And yet, did he say it? Does the letter say what he, what he said, meant for it to say? Yeah. It's just an incredible uh, object lesson. So the edits did not change the meaning. They the just edits, maybe clarified a meaning or The edits clarified gr a meaning or two. Um, back to your question. One of the things that we know is that uh, we believe Homer existed and that he wrote the Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And yet the, the oldest manuscript we have with regard for, for that is like a thousand years after he lived. And we have like, I've forgotten the number, maybe several hundred old manuscripts. So Homer lived, I don't have the, his lifetime in front of me. Just say he lived 100 B.C. So the oldest manuscript we have is from 1000 A.D., so 1,100 years. The New Testament, Jesus lived and died in 30 A.D., and, um, and we have manuscript fragments that date back to like 200 A.D., uh, much closer to it, and we have literally thousands of these manuscript fragments. So that's just sort of a teaser yeah. as to – and they – and how many differences are there between those different manuscripts? Many, 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 actually. Well, because we have so many manuscripts, you got this A and the article changes, and, and the, the skeptics will say, oh, there's 400,000 discrepancies. Well, but they're articles. They're, they do not change the meaning or, mm -hmm. or the intent, just like Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham jail. And the dis differences there. I think you can see it too in our. We have numerous translations of the Bible. Yeah. Some I like better than others, just be, just because of the wording and so forth. But there's not a one of those translations ultimately that you read that changes the message. And these are by scholars that have gone back to the original sources. Mm -hmm. Some have done huge amounts of of research and stuff in order to quote interpret that clearly some of them literally some of them with, with you know 
whatever it may be. And while it may be a word that's different, I give you one from Ephesians 3.17 that says, that I may know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Now, that makes no sense. Well, the translators did not like the word experience, so they put no in its place, which it's allowable because it's got a lot of different meanings, but it, it doesn't read right. And I, I far more like the idea that, 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 it, that you may experience the love of God that surpasses knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So those are little things, but it doesn't change the whole salvific intent and purposes of God ever through the whole mm-hmm. scriptures. Yep. One, and one last thing. I had a professor of Hebrew. This guy knew 27 different Semitic languages, so I would say he was a little bit smart. Um, and, I, and I love taking Hebrew from because I, I, I fell in love with Hebrew just because of him. Well, he didn't believe in miracles. You know, he was a demythologizer is what they call him. He didn't believe in miracles, you know, or the Bible or of the Bible or anything else. I mean, he was quote, a believer, but he didn't believe in any of that stuff. There was no supernatural. Mm. But one day he made this statement. He says, if, in fact, I ever did believe in anything supernatural, he says it would be this book and how it has stood the test of time and is as accurate as it is. He said, to me, that would be the miracle I would embrace. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen. It is a miracle. Amen. Yeah. So, you know what? I kind of want to get back to God immutable, God unchangeable. And I kind of, I'm, at least for me, I find rest, I find peace, I find hope in the fact that he doesn't change, despite myself despite my feelings, despite my actions, despite, you know, even some of the things that I say and do, whatever it may be, he doesn't change. And if I put some of those descriptors, right, his love doesn't change, his patience doesn't change, his goodness doesn't change, I find that to be hugely comforting especially in a world where there's nearly constant change that could be so easily overwhelming and produce anxiety and stress. And right. I mean, I know all about those things. Um, just knowing that his mercy doesn't change, his grace doesn't change. There's nothing about him that changes that to me makes him, I, I understand the psalmist when he said, you're, you're my safe refuge, right? In, in the midst of the storm, I want to be in, in wrapped in that unchanging nature of God. Want to bless the listeners? Sure. God, thank you that we can trust you. Thank you for being the unchangeable person in all of your creation. 
Give us healthy eyes to see that. Keep our hearts leaning in towards you. We bless the listeners with hope and being able to experience the love that you have for them that surpasses understanding. Father, I bless our listeners in Jesus' name with the capacity and ability from you to be able to let all sink in to the, to the vastness, the greatness, the beauty of you, that, that you contain the universe within you. You don't just, you aren't just in the, you contain it. That we could just capture a little bit of that to recognize how amazing, huge, and big you are. And that, yes, God, you don't live in time and space like we do. Give us the ability to grasp a little bit of that even, that your name is I am. You have always been. You be. And you look at us and you see our past, our present, and our future. Thank you that you're that powerful and that mighty and wonderful a God. I bless the listeners with the safety, the protection, the refuge of your unchanging compassion for, for them, for us. I bless us to experience that grace and that mercy surrounded. I bless them with peace in Jesus' name. Lord, I would ask that you would bless uh, our listeners with uh, a deeper understanding of the fact that you are immutable mm-hmm. and that you are yeah. the solid rock on which we can stand when all other things are sinking sand. Amen. Amen. Thank you.